And welcome to DeWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Crystal Fault. I'm the editor. No, oh, what am I now? I'm now the deputy editor of Film and TV Craft at IndieWire. And my guests today are Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss, who were the co-directors of the big documentary winner out of Sundance last year, Boy State. You know, I realized in talking to people over the last few months about this film that a lot of people don't know what Boy State is. So, you know, maybe just a little bit of context before we talk to Jesse and Amanda about their documentary. Boy State dates back to 1935. Um, every year, the American Legion sponsors this, and there's people everywhere, you know, from Bill Clinton and Cory Booker to Dick Cheney and Rush Limbaugh were alums of Boy State. And what it basically is is a bunch of 17-year-old high schoolers, boys, uh, who spend a week together uh, during the summer to learn about civics by forming their own mock government and it's complete with two political parties they create a party platforms and and most importantly there's the election of the governor uh which amanda and jesse capture in this film and it's just as intense and bare knuckled as the election that we just survived it's incredibly revealing of uh of our politics um and i love this conversation uh, because it's a fascinating look into the prep and the legwork that goes into making a film like this, including all the pre-thought that goes into how to shoot it and make it feel like a film with a, a unified cinematic style. And today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Apple original film Fireball, Visitors from Darker Worlds, in select theaters and on Apple TV Plus November 13th. Werner Herzog and Clive Oppenheimer's Fireball takes viewers on a journey to discover how shooting stars, meteorites, and deep impacts have focused the human imagination on other realms and worlds and on our past and our future. For your consideration, best documentary feature, visit fyc.appletvplus.com. Uh, yeah, I've yet to see this film, but I, I hear I hear really good things. But in general, I just wholly endorse the concept of watching Werner Herzog accept an Oscar. I, I should say this. I went to Boy State, not Texas, Connecticut. Boy State's a totally different, totally different beast. But, you know, you end up with essentially, if you were thinking about it, you end up with what, like four of the five major players. Like they're your they're your characters. And there's there's eleven hundred boys at this thing. Um, there is an element of I, I, I take me through the pre interviewing, the casting, you know, I, my guess is that you might have thought these would be potential characters, but you have to leave your op- yourselves open on a, on a lot of different fronts, right? Very much so. Um, do you want to you want to you want to talk? You want to start oh, to talk? Got it, you got okay. It. <laughs> um, well, um, yeah, we wanted we needed to cast beforehand. Um, we knew that we we couldn't, as you know, from going through Boy State. It's it's a very short period of time. It's just six days. We couldn't cast on the fly. We, we just didn't think we would be able to and really do justice to what we wanted to achieve with the film, um, which is really to, um, to follow these, a few young men through this experience. So for us, um, and we had a thousand to choose from. It's a huge program. It's one of the biggest in the country, 1,100 boys actually. So we got started about three months before uh, Boy State. We, we, initially it was Amanda on the phone trying to talk to teenage boys. And teenage boys are not good on the phone. No, there was uh, a lot of ma'am and a lot. They're very polite, which is like only gets you so far in getting to know people. So. <laughs> yeah, and so we quickly realized um, that we had to go to Texas, and we we didn't have a script, we didn't have a checklist. Um, we we just started to reach out to to legionnaires and to counselors and the people who were doing the selection process. First of all, to say, do you have recommendations? But also just to kind of follow our own instincts and. 
that was kind of a film unto itself. It was an amazing uh, process to go through. I think for us also just to begin to have a conversation about what the film is about, because one of the questions we always asked was, how, how do you feel about polarization in our country? And, and that question just elicited very interesting responses. And quickly, um, we, we gravitated to the young men who were um, politically sophisticated, who were ambitious, we, because we knew we wanted to follow the race for governor. So we asked, are you going to run for office? Are you going to run for governor? Um, and um, we were looking for that kind of X factor of sort of confidence, but vulnerability and comfort in front of the camera. And so we brought our camera to their living rooms, to their bedrooms, um, to get to know them. We went to Legion halls, we went to orientations. And um, out of that process emerged three of the four boys in the film, Ben, Stephen and Robert, we all met beforehand. I'm wondering, um, in terms of original conception, I, I mean, it was it always something where you know you want to follow as much as you know get inside the the, the governor's race, the the party chairs, um, because I mean that's if that's the goal, it also could be it could be messy, right? You might not be able to, to get them. And was the idea also, um, you knew that you needed specific characters and rather than just going to, you know, there's lots of ways you could film boy state, but that you're following it through the eyes of, of a, a, a subset group. Was that, I'm just curious about how flexible you had to be with your goals and what they were kind of going, going into this. The kind of filmmaking we do tends to be pretty character driven. So, um, there's a million ways that you could film this event for sure and, and there would be a lot of different and interesting films to be um, made that way but I know for me finding the people we were going to immerse ourselves with um, as they went through this potential coming of age in one week which sounds like a tall order but in fact is what we saw and something that the leadership had kind of talked to us about before we got there and we thought well wow if we could really be there with somebody while they were going through that that would be extraordinary um, so i think for us finding characters to go through the program with and immerse ourselves with in a very uh you know in a very close way was kind of um the point, really. I mean, we went in, of course, with big questions about the health of our democracy and about polarization and do we still believe in this union and all the stuff that we ourselves were, you know, working on in our heads after the election of 2016. I think a lot of people were feeling kind of vexed about how divided our country was. And I think, you know, there are many ways to approach that, those questions. For us, Boy State offered kind of a sideways way into that, right? Sort of a fun way into very difficult questions. And of course, once we got there, we realized, wow, th these are the same questions. And uh, many of them are profound and playing out in 17-year-olds as well. So I think... Um, we, we didn't... I mean, we had a plan, but I think we were prepared as... You have to be as yeah. documentary filmmakers to be flexible. Um, we, we were thinking the governor's race could be the main drama, but we were open to whichever paths our young men took through this experience. And I think mean, it's helpful to have a plan because there was so much out of our control. Um, and and um, so we were flexible about casting. We were prepared to, to pivot, to bring in new people into the film, to, to, to if people kind of flamed out, which people do, to, um, to let them go. Um, and um, 
I think importantly too, we were looking for a diversity of background and political viewpoint. I mean, that was really crucial for us. We weren't, again, we weren't trying to kind of plug people into archetypes or roles or check boxes, but, um, and, and we know the program is kind of over, over, over represents white conservative boys. And, but for us, we knew that there were progressive kids and we needed to find them. Um, and so we were, when we found Stephen, it was a stroke of luck, really. Um, not that there weren't other progressive kids. We met others um, with similar backgrounds, but there was something unique about him that we were drawn to in his, you know, he, he's not a kind of obvious documentary subject, um, at least initially, um, in that he's kind of quiet um, and thoughtful. And um, he had an old soul quality that we were really drawn to. Um, and we didn't know if he was going to, in fact, we didn't think he would do well politically. What about this element? I mean, obviously, the American Legion was open to this. They gave you this access. Um, but many of these kids are minors, right? They're under 18. So there's also this element of it's one thing for the Legion to give you access. It's another of of you needing parental, you, you needing the subject's parents, right, to sign off. I mean, is that something, is there only so much of that you can handle beforehand and you, you kind of have to deal with it? Because someone might not want to be on camera, right? Um, all the folks that we filmed with closely, there, there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, you can't, yes, there was lots of work done with those families. Mm -hmm. um, and then in, in the sort of bigger sense, the program had a kind of blanket um, uh, release for the general population. And then there was conversation at the beginning of the week from the leadership to the whole crowd, like here's what's going on in case <laughs> you need the reminder. <laughs> um, and for anybody, you know, just let us know if you don't want to be on camera, that kind of thing. But actually what we ended up finding out was that the problem was not who didn't want to be on camera, but kind of like, <laughs> okay, we're really following these people. Um, and, you know, I think that the bigger question really about filming with minors is just, you know, you, you always have the responsibility to your film subjects of, I mean, you're telling a very intimate story about a very intimate time in their life, again, hoping uh, that you catch them when they're going through transformation. <laughs> um, and that that's a real responsibility, regardless of who they are, but especially if they're 17. And so um, we took that very seriously with the goal that ultimately at the end of this process, after they've seen a rough cut, we, you know, we have editorial control, but we hope that it's a collaboration in the sense that at the end, they feel this, they can see the rough cut, feel that they've been seen accurately, feel that they um, are proud of the film enough to stand on stage with us when we premiere it, wherever that is. Um, and we can all then tour with the film together, which is exactly what's happened on this. And that kind of part of the journey, for, uh, particularly on this film, has just been one of the great joys of, of my career, really. I'm wondering, because um, part of this is we talk about the boys um, and the prep with them, but there's also this element of, like, that's a full schedule. This is all over the place. Like, you know, do, do, I don't know. Were you able to also scout, like, boy state itself and figure out, like, you know, what this is going to be? Um, or are you, just, are you just, like, the same thing with the orientation packet, like, <laughs> where we're going? <laughs> Very much so. We were really flying blind into the program. Um, we, we studied Instagram photographs closely, but you can only divine so much, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. they yeah. sent us this little booklet with the six-day schedule, which was incomprehensible. Um, and 
Um, the closest we got was in casting, filming a group of boys having a political conversation, which was something we wanted to begin to explore. Like, wh wh what happens when you just let them talk and they talk politics? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Is it interesting? Is it boring? Mm -hmm. But nothing close to, to the energy, mayhem, sort of craziness, um, wildness scale of the simulation. And so we didn't know if we would have the right crew, the right approach to do that. I mean, you sort of go back on your old tricks and techniques and you say, look, fundamentally, we're going to commit to these young men, these characters. We're going to um, have cinematographers who can follow them. And we're going to, it's not going to be one man band like the Overnighters because we can't make this film that way. We're going to have to finance the film because we need a bigger crew. We need, well, 28 people is what we sort of planned we would need. And um, so um, we, we sort of we built the, the team, but really not knowing. I mean, that's very exciting, actually, too. Um, and to, to sort of plunge into this. I mean, I've done that. We've done that on other films um, in a way. And, and to be buffeted, to, to just, um, I mean, I, I think we felt confident that we would just find our way through it uh, and that ultimately we'd be tethered to them. And that's what keeps you grounded. Here's my memory of Boy State. And this isn't Texas Boy State, but that it's also um, there's an energy and as to where that energy is going to go, um, it, it, you know, it, it can become a joke. It can become mayhem. It can become, you know, there's this group is fight is over here having a good time, just being spending a week with hundreds of other boys. And this group is really hoping to be the next Dick Cheney, the next Bill Clinton. And they've got, you know, they've, they've got that ambition. Um, I'm curious because, I think what happened, right? Wasn't the, didn't they, they do, was, did I read something that there was a success that they, they voted for succession in the year before. Right. And one almost sees this bubbling up of energy in your film of what's going on. Luckily, what you capture is, is something that is this um, microcosm of our political system in this incredibly dramatic, interesting, fascinating way. But I'm wondering how much of you was prepared for this to topple in a different direction or for this to be um there is a little lord of the flies but full on just like you know mayhem um i think we were open to whatever was going to come our way that being said what we'd read about in the Washington Post of the 2017 Texas Boys State program, that legislature had voted to secede from the union, which of course was a provocative and scandalous act. And to my knowledge, like no other Texas Boys State um, group had voted to secede before in the 70 years or plus that this program's existed. So it was not only kind of a goof, right? And, and kind of the sort of Lord of the Flies like, yeah, you know, let's just tear it all down. But it was also, there was something in there that was simultaneously um, maybe indicative of something else. And that something else was kind of what we were in search of. Um, as much as the, you know, kind of young, uh, sort of puppy, but sometimes scary energy that comes along with <laughs> a group of 1,100, you know, 1,100, you know, 17-year-old boys creating government um, themselves, like what could possibly go wrong, <laughs> right? Like, so, um, you know, I think that that was what's so interesting about the program. And again, the leadership had kind of like indicated um, 
this, um, but again, you don't know until you get there, is that every year is it's organic in the sense that every year there's a little bit of something different. So 2017, they vote to, the big vote is to secede from the union. Then 2018, the year we, we were there, the big vote was uh, to pass a universal background check bill in open carry Texas. So like, you know, that's kind of America, right? Lurch forward, flux this way, you know, go backwards, go forward, go side is the zigzag. And I think that that energy of like, what are you going to get and who are we is really uh, one of the things we we're interested in exploring. I think it was helpful to know from our casting that there were boys going to this program who were really serious about politics and knew a lot. Mm. And so it doesn't mean it couldn't have careened completely off the rails and, and become anarchic in ways that ultimately became not interesting. But that tension that was embodied in the secession vote of seriousness but playfulness, I think we hoped we would find recapture the following year, not knowing which direction it would go. And I think it was really welcome to see that trajectory that you see in the film, where it begins with that same kind of spirit of craziness, but then sort of begins to settle into something more profound. I'm especially interested in the first few days here. Um, I, my understanding is there's there's six camera units, and I guess maybe the two of you once in a while served as a, as a seventh. Um, I'm curious, I mean, is is part of just splitting this up the schedule or is it is it is it is it like you're already looking because i don't think you necessarily have subjects at this point or maybe you do is it is it is it is it this idea okay steve let you know you're with you're going to be around steven let's get some steven footage in case he becomes what we think he might be and and so on um but also so there's that element is like how did you originally start in terms of how to even think about this. But I'm also really curious, and maybe this is actually a question for later week, but, but I'm also very curious. Um, so much is developing, like drama is developing, story is developing. And, you know, you've got essentially six tentacles out in the world. Yeah, I imagine there's also communication because it's like, what is dramatically happening? And I mean, we, Renee, you know, <laughs> like, you know, or some kind of like, you know, certain things are happening. And I imagine that, there's got to be this constant communication back to you and what are we doing? Cause there's stories developing too. So I'm just curious about that element of six units and how you divide them up, but also how you adjust to, to drama. It was a real challenge to keep in touch in this environment because university of Texas at Austin is massive. And again, we had like six units and at any given moment there was four different very major political meetings happening at the same time on different parts of campus. And uh, we could not be everywhere at once, though we wanted to be. Um, and we did, you know, um, we did sort of deputize all of the DPs to be the great, I mean, to be the directors that they can be. They are uh, great listeners and great technically, you know, with the camera. So we knew we were in good hands. That being said, we all did need to have an understanding of where everybody was and what was happening with the main players. Um, so I initially, I think we planned for this like a like a fiction set, which we've been on before, and uh, everybody had a walkie-talkie and you know that kind of thing. And and very quickly we recognized that walkie-talkies were not going to work in this environment. Mm -hmm. um, it's just too 
insane and noisy in any given room that you're in. And so it, it came down to texting. I mean, thank God for cell phones, right? So everybody's texting each other. We had group downloads at the beginning of the day, sometimes at lunch when people overlapped and at the end of the day. And then Jesse and I were roving around um, like maniacs. Um, but I, I would back up for a second and say that what was fundamental and really important was to bring in this camera collective, this team of cinematographers who, who know each other, who are um, all from from New York and do this kind of work. And I think understood what we wanted to achieve and were prepared to work very independently. Um, and to, but to also to share the vision for the film. And so what we did was to answer your question is we paired those DPs, Martina Radwan, Claudia Rashke, Wolfgang Held, Torsten Tilo. Daniel Carter, we said, you're gonna be with this subject. You're gonna be with Steven, you're gonna be with Robert. And they came into the program with those guys and they were empowered to forge their own direct relationships with those subjects. Because we were gonna have them follow those boys all the way through the week. And then we were gonna float, that was the plan. And I think kind of, we'd met them in casting, coming in with them, you see that in the film, um, they were not really floating. They were kind of attached at the hip to those kids. Now, from day one, from day one, you're... From day one, from day negative one, really. Even, even was it a wider group? Was it a wide... It was wide. wider by two two subjects who, after the first day, just didn't didn't move forward. Got it. Um, Got it. So, um, Jesus, but we came in with Steven. A, first off, that is an amazing casting job <laughs> that you ended up with those, I mean... That's insane to me. From a hundred and a thousand and eleven hundred boys, that you you from all of those interviews that you zeroed in on these these kids. Uh, that is that is remarkable. I don't know if that's that's a remarkable piece of work, but I also know how that seems almost a little bit lucky. No, I don't know. I don't, Absolutely. I, oh, oh yeah. I, I mean, mean, I still can't believe they're real. It's really one of those. No, but it's 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 um, unscripted filmmaking, and you depend on um, fortune and fate and luck, and um, we had that. Um, we also have instincts, which I think are developed and sort of clearly strong. <laughs> um, I mean, if you've seen the overnighters, um, you know, you I, I just think you you sort of sense something about somebody. First of all, you identify somebody who's comfortable being themselves on camera. Um, but also vulnerable and that combination of things um, who you're kind of infinitely interested in even though you can't maybe figure out why um, And then you just kind of see where they take you and we did get lucky um, And I think some people have said well They couldn't have gotten that lucky and maybe if they haven't seen the overnighters I could understand why you might say that but I think um, our instincts are good um, and, um, and I suppose, for example with someone like Steven right he we knew he had a real power as, as a human being and would do well in a, a retail politics situation, but we did not know he could stand up and give a speech um, so the way he can. And, and, you know, without that, the film is very different. So You could imagine a film where he's a main subject and it's more him reacting to things, like a very thoughtful kid seeing this around and how this is affecting him. You could see him being more of like a that type of character in this, but it's it, the fact that he becomes, and let's be honest, becomes like the Obama of Texas. Like, I mean, it's like, it's this thoughtful old soul, like, you know, I mean, I really think I'm voting for this kid in 20 years. I mean, I really, I, I don't. Well, us too. <laughs> and, and you should see, I don't know if you've caught him in a Q and a recently, but he's just, he's on fire. He's just always incredibly grounded and perceptive and much smarter about politics. And I, we are now. 
And but we love that he, you know, you see him on the on the fray at the beginning, and he sort of works his way in, and he finds his footing, and he finds his voice um, in a beautiful way. In a way, you know, I think that what we hoped for, which was the program, would be um, a kind of allegorical space for our contemporary politics. We we discovered in ways we couldn't imagine, and that, that here is someone like Stephen, this young man uh, of color, like Renee, who's finding his voice and, and, and coming to political power in a very challenging, in an environment that's really rigged against him, you know, and, and finding ways to do that. Um, that. That was the discovery of the film. I'm just going to take a quick break to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by the Apple original film, Fireball, visitors from Darker Worlds, in select theaters and on Apple TV Plus November 13th, Warner Herzog and Clive Oppenheimer's Fireball takes viewers on a journey to discover how shooting stars, meteorites, and deep impacts have focused the human imagination on other realms and worlds, and on our past and future. For your consideration, best documentary feature, visit fyc.appletvplus.com. And now back to my conversation with Amanda and Jesse about Boy State. There, I don't know how much of this was part of it, but in some ways, there's almost archetypes here that develop. You know, it's it, it, and and there's even uh, you know with the, the way that Ben goes. You know, there, I mean, one could almost pick the the equivalent of him. You know, the, the conservative conscience, but you know, going heavy with the the politics. The 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 boy who does win that doesn't um, isn't one of your subjects, but is very much there. Is like, I mean, he's. He looks like a young Josh Brolin playing a young George W. I mean, it's like he's like he's like and then you got Renee and and, and and Robert. It just it seems as if I don't know how much of that was conscious, but of that sense that you end up with these almost archetypes of our political system. I know you want diversity and diversity of thought and opinion, but I'm wondering, was that part of casting? Is this that there's also some archetypes here? I think that may have come to play um, in in how we responded when we first met Robert, really, <laughs> because he he was actually somebody we met early in the casting process, and then of course had to meet thousands of people before we finally found Stephen or Ben. But um, I think when he first just appeared at the top of his staircase when he was coming down to uh, do the interview um, in his living room, I, you know, I think you make a film about high schoolers and I think you bring a little bit of your high school self to that storytelling and I think my high school self like saw Robert and was like I know who you are I know this guy from high school and I think that that is not an it's not a fair thing for me to think and it's not a you know but it is there and that kind of archetype archetypical sort of you know alpha um he was a football player, you know, all these things, right? Um, that then when we sat him down, of course, he revealed dimensions about who he was and his understanding of politics and all these things that just made him 10 times more fascinating. And so we knew um, when he, uh, that he would be a great person to follow through this program because of course he's gonna get all of his signatures on day one, right? Mm -hmm. And then what's he gonna do with that power? Right? Because here's a kid who does have more dimension than just wanting power. And I think that that and is exactly what we then follow um, with him through the movie. So um, as far as the rest, I, you know, you're always kind of working on 
first impressions, particularly in politics, right? And I think to some degree, all the kids kind of use that in the story they tell about themselves we, we, um, in running cast, for office. In casting, we were um, talking to Ben, and I remember asking him about his model UN experience, and he was, he, he was describing how he knew how to make friends and he knew how to make enemies. And I thought, well, what 17-year-old like, like, thinks consciously about making enemies for kind of strategic value, right? So instantly it was like, this is the Carl Rove, Lee Atwater strategist. Um, whether we'll see that on display, I don't know. But, but he, we, we knew we had that in him, and I was, we were interested in that. I mean, I, I thought, rethought to the extent this could really be a smart study of politics, it would be interesting for us and hopefully our audience. And therefore, you know, the smarter they were about politics, the more drawn to them we were. So is that archetypal or is that just, you know, I guess it's, it's both, you know. Um, but of course, we didn't know that he would become the master strategist of the Federalist Party. <laughs> that he, <laughs> he'd get someone elected. Um, let's talk about um, it's, it's Texas. It's, it's, it's summer. Um, which is always fun, harsh overhead light. And um, we're in kind of, you know, and, uh, University of uh, Texas, Austin is a beautiful place, but, you know, the interior of classrooms and halls is, you know, it is what it is. You know, they're kind of institutional-like. I'm curious um, about um, both in terms of the type of filming that you're going to do, but also how it's going to look and the fact you got six kind of cameras going in different directions. Um, let's talk a little bit about the kind of um, universal kind of language that you kind of went into this with in terms of how you wanted to shoot it and and handle these these elements. Because it's, it's a handsome film, and it also is a very effective film um, in terms of following this around. So I'm curious, you know, what were some of those decisions? There was a lot to be really excited about with making this film. I mean, I, I've never made a film with a cast of, you know, 1,100 people. Mm -hmm. That's that That is exciting. Then there was, as you mentioned, a lot of things to be scared of. Institutional classrooms, everybody's in white shirts. Um, every, you know, many of the scenes, scenes uh, look very similar, right? And how do you differentiate scene to scene? How do you modulate um, emotions when, when every scene kind of plays out the same way visually? So um, we were, I think not totally prepared for like the heat and you know there were some things that we hadn't quite anticipated just from california i wasn't totally prepared for texas and the uh heat but the visuals um were something that jesse and torsten early on had a lot of conversations about um how do we make this film feel like a film and so you can talk about sort of the the, the thinking that went into that um I mean, I think fundamentally it's it's really the something of the lost art of direct cinema, which is really just to be there for the dramatic and intimate moments, the big and small moments that are meaningful when they happen. There's no substitute for being there. And that's really both um, building the relationship with your subjects and then sort of the luck and the tenacity um, to have a story develop and to have your camera there. Um, and, and that, you know... You, I mean, that's the kind of storytelling we love. And, but then to elevate it cinematically. So one thing that was exciting about the program was the degree of access we had um, allowed us to do a couple of things. One is to film both parties in a political contest, which normally in a political documentary, you're stuck embedded with one candidate. 
And it could be exciting, but you don't see what's <laughs> happening in the other campaign. So this was just dramatically really interesting for us. And um, we made a point of you know, following the drama as it unfolded on both sides. And um, the second thing was we could get close. And you know, I've covered political campaigns as a filmmaker before, real campaigns. And usually you're in the back of the room on a press riser, on a telephoto lens, and it feels very distant. And um, this, we could be on stage with Stephen, six inches from his face. Daniel Carter shot that scene when he gives this incredible speech. And um, that was exciting to really be subjective, you know, to really put ourselves, our audience, in, in, in sort of close to these kids as they go through this coming of age experience. And so, um, we, of course, we looked at Dazed and Confused, um, not so much stylistically, but just more tonally. Because if you're going to make a film about Texas teenagers, how can you not look at Linklater's Dazed and Confused. Um, but, but also uh, visually, aesthetically, we, Torsten Tilo, who's the DP, primary DP, and I, we looked at a movie called Son of Saul, which is a dramatic film um, shot in a very uh, intense, um, close, subjective way with real intentionality. It's about the Holocaust and uh, the protagonist trying to navigate this very confusing space. It's often from behind, very shallow. Um, we shot this film our film entirely on a 35 millimeter prime lens. And we, we shot it all at a consistent f-stop, f2, which, which gives, gives it in these institutional settings a, a little bit of separation. Um, we also shot it widescreen because we experimented with um, this um, theme of political conversation. And we discovered that actually the widescreen frame, which is 239 to one aspect ratio, sort of compressed the, the kids and their faces into the frame in a way that was really supporting the idea of engagement. Whereas if you kind of gave them more headroom, it sort of relaxed that intensity. And so that was a part of our, our look too. Um, and um, of course, they all have slightly different styles, our DPs, but, it, but we, we, we said same tool, same lens, same f-stop. You know, they understand the language of cinema verite. And for us, for me, particularly because I shoot, it was a lot of surrender of ego, you know, because I, overnighters, I shot every single frame of that film. And, you know, you think through the camera as a director, I really do. I need to look through the viewfinder to kind of process what I'm seeing. And I had to, I did do a little bit of shooting in this film, but really to step back and, and to try working a different way. Shooting on F2 widescreen uh cinema verite when people are moving around to the degree that these kids are moving around in these conventions and in their meetings is insane and like such a we are so in, in awe of these um camera folks because like that people are going in and out of focus every five seconds and you know with a wide screen you see the shake way more than you would with uh, any, and there's no zoom lens. So you really have to run up and be really close to people. I mean, it's just a epic challenge that we offered them and they accepted the challenge and uh, delivered like beyond our wildest dreams. So um, we love that this film feels like, you know, we, we wanted it to play on a big screen and I think it does. There's a moment where Steven walks onto the basketball court. Um, we don't know if he's gotten his final signature. And it's, it's a world that's like jockey kids playing basketball. This is not, these are not his people. And Daniel's Carter's filming is just sort of behind him and sort of Steven's kind of overwhelmed and looking around the space. And we don't know what, whether he's gonna get it or not. And, and I just, that, that was, I, I, I don't know. It's, and there's no dialogue. It's a, just a purely visual, moment really and, and and sort of plays out as a long take and I think that was for both of us is like a sort of the not every scene is kind of hits the mark like that but that was like a great example of like 
let's just let this let's shoot this moment cinematically let's let it play let's find you know let's let it have its natural drama and tension and i think i think what you're also kind of getting at with the widescreen is you do have a shallow depth so you can have a separation uh focus wise but you can have them in frames with with the group right you can have you can see more of you're never losing sight of of this kind of a you're immersed in this like group of young boys right is it, you kind of never lose that yeah i mean we also looked at spielberg's lincoln which is shot uh same widescreen and you really do have a speaker and then a landscape of people who are so you get both the talker and the response um without and, cutting without yeah. cutting which is amazing so uh that's something we were looking for as well and also is it i guess each camera person is having a different relationship with the subject um but i have to imagine there's also um a question of of how intimate, right? Is there in that sense because your your film does get very intimate with these subjects. It does get very close. It does go into to private moments. Now, obviously, that has to develop. A relationship has to develop between camera person and subject. That that that's possible. But it also, I imagine, is somewhat of a choice that you want to leave your you. Is that something where it's like, well, if we can, we'll go in that direction, or is that something you were always kind of aiming for? Um. I, don't, I think most of the, all the kids we followed were pretty open to um, sharing their experience. I mean, for instance, the interview space that we set up, which was a little separate from the action of Boys State, um, provided them a space to be incredibly intimate in the sense of sharing what they were thinking about. Um, and I think that that space is something they've all um talked about but we really... but we conducted those interviews that those were not oh sorry done yeah. by the dps so <laughs> that there's a difference there like we're, we're empowering the dps to be close to be independent but but we have to um maintain that relationship and 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 also monitor like what's happening in in their story what's happening in their emotional state and understand getting the download from the dps and then being able to kind of turn around and then talk to Robert in the interview and say, you know, what's going on here and his confession, you know, eliciting a confession from Robert that he's lying about his politics in order to try to get elected. And so that was kind of our job too. And, and sort of that dance, I think of like um, being, you know, close when we needed to be nurturing the relationship with our subjects as directors that we needed to have, not, but but knowing when to step away and when to go somewhere. It's like triage too a little bit, I guess. It's a lot like triage. It pays, I mean, not it, that I've been through triage. <laughs> it pays off, but I have to imagine maybe um, the interview room or whatever you call it uh, is a discussion. That's, a, that's something that might, I mean, I could see if I was part of your team, which I was not, but I mean, I could see if we were talking about what we should do and what we should not do. That interview room could offer options, but it also could be, no, let's stick with a direct cinema. Let's go this way. I, I'm wondering, I mean, I, the proof is in the pudding. It worked out. And that Robert stuff alone is, you know, but all of it, it, it ends up working beautifully. But I, I have to imagine that's something that was a discussion and how do we work that in? And also that also even feeds its way into the edit room, right? Well, we're not orthodox in our approach to this language of storytelling. Like I don't, you know, some people are and power to them. I, I, I think for us as storytellers, the interview, while I, I prize the, the dramatic moment in whatever form it 
comes or the not it's not even always the dramatic moment I the the direct cinema moment um, I think interviews are a powerful tool of storytelling and to, to really when you're getting beneath the surface and we're dealing with subjects as you so often are in cinema verite who are performative they're engaged in a performative act which is often very compelling but there is the private self which you don't always have access to on the public stage and the interview is one way not the only way but one way to explore sort of that the difference between what the private self maybe is wrestling with and what the performative self is acting out and um, that 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 interview room which we built at the beginning of the week and we um, we had very little time with our subjects in it but it did yield really valuable perspective on what they were processing these choices that they were wrestling with how, how often did the boys come in to that not that often. I mean, really, we ha it was rare that we had the opportunity to grab them. Um, and, you know, we had maybe five minutes here, 15 minutes there. I mean, we maybe spoke to Robert two times, three times during the week for like 10 minutes each time. It was the amount of that, those interviews that we used compared to the amount that we shot. I mean, that ratio is so much more, the higher yield than obviously the the 350 hours of, that we shot of the event, um, ac the action of the event. Um, I don't know. I mean, it is, it is one of the questions of this kind of filmmaking, right? Do you, um, do you ask, do you interview, do you not? And I, you know, it's like when you look back, I mean, I think about this with even some of the great, like, salesmen, right? Like, there's a scene there where he's like, there's no interviews, but there's a scene where he's like driving in the car, like talking to who? Like, like he's just, but he's revealing stuff that he's thinking and feeling, but he's just talking in the car to who? And that, that's one of those things where like, I needed that scene. Like I would never question that scene. So to me, it's really like, um, we're also not pretending there's no camera there. Like we're, we have an intense, close relationship with these people. We're not objective. No, I mean, we're not. The, the work is highly subjective and collaborative. And um, so I'm not trying to kind of enforce some sort of artificial clinical distance from events. Um, and, e you know, even filmmakers like Wiseman don't claim that. Like he calls his films reality fictions, right? And, and I think right, right. we all recognize, not contrivance, but, but that, that the hand of the director, the relationship of the subject to director and camera is complicated and always there on screen. But like always, most of those interviews are us listening. I mean, frankly, these kids just had to unburden themselves. They were, I think, excited to reflect on what the heck was going on because uh, it was such a fast-moving situation, and I think they were feeling emotion, and there was so much investment in this race that they were just excited to just blah, 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 and then leave, you know. So uh, that, those, that space was invaluable, actually, in the edit room when we did get, particularly for Robert's story, as you mentioned. Talking about um, your relationship with the subjects and and your your own point of view as filmmakers, I'm curious um, how that informed what I have to imagine is just an insane amount of footage and and shaping this narrative. I mean, obviously you're you you walk into the editing room with with a conclusion with a real drama, real built like you gotta you got a really nice uh, spine there in terms of what happens um, for the drama, but um, how you're going to tell this story and through these boys' eyes and also um, what you have of them and what you see of them. I'm wondering, you know, because you're up front. You, 
you, you, there's a collaboration with these kids, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I say this as a parent myself. I mean, that becomes this thing where it's like, what, what, there's a responsibility to these kids, right? Like this is with them, you know, I mean, I don't know that we knew this was going to be a, a large sale to Apple, you know, potential best Oscar film, but I mean, nonetheless, it's like, this is out there. Um, I'm, I'm curious about, um, that point of view as, as, as it affects the choices in the editing room. We shot the film in a week, plus whatever footage we'd shot during the casting, maybe 20 days of production. And then it took us a year to edit the film. And mm -hmm. that's a long time. It always takes longer than you think, at least for us yeah. Yeah. Uh, with ver Verite Filmmaking. You really are finding the story, even though, as you say, we knew what the plot was, beginning, middle, and end of who the people were running for governor and then who ends up winning, right? We know basically what our film, had, the, the, the roadmap, right? But what then we had to put together is how this, how these two parties were built, how they, how the state party chairs um, affected that governor's race. You know, there's a lot of complications just to how complicated government is. But really what took so long was we wanted to approximate, we wanted the film to feel the way that we felt when we were shooting it. And that that emotional roller coaster, that investment you have in each of the characters for different reasons, and then your sympathies swinging, and then your you know all the things that happen while while the event unfolded was it, that took a very long time to get right, frankly, um, and really feeling it when somebody wins, really feeling it when someone makes a choice that, frankly, I found to be heartbreaking um, about how they were going to. Uh, <laughs> play the game, as it were, um, you know, f feeling the the wins and the losses. I think that took a very long time to get right, right? I mean... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think also it's an ensemble piece. You're, we have four subjects and they're all real people. They're not actors. They're, they're complex human beings we have relationships with. And I think honoring their complexity, their role in the story, our, our responsibility to them as young people, um, that that that's not a straight line to figure that out, and um, you know we, we did share rough cut the rough cut of the film with our subjects, and and as we always do, and not because they have editorial rights, but because they have sort of moral um, rights, if you will. Um, I think to to talk to us about their depiction, and in particular Ben, I think when he realized that he was not the protagonist of the story, but something of the antagonist. And that he was, it was not, as he put it, the Ben Feinstein hit reel. He had to kind of <laughs> process that. And we, that, that um, provoked a, a really interesting and important conversation for us. Um, and, it, you know, he's not a villain. He's a, he's a kid, you know, who, who makes some choices. And I think honoring kind of him as a person is just something that required, like every other aspect of the movie, sort of calibration and, and experimentation. And, you know, the other thing, and this kind of relates a little bit, but it's to an earlier question, but is really just about finding the rhythm of the movie because it was a little bit claustrophobic. It's these conversations and in these in institutional rooms, but the film needs to breathe and the interviews helped us breathe a little mm -hmm. bit, sort of, we, they're, they're locked off, they're, they're, they're not handheld. And so, but also just kind of rhythmically, how does this film kind of expand and contract like a good song, right? How, how, how does it accelerate when it, you know, in a way that feels surprising? 
And, and that's just also um, con contentious in the edit room to kind of find your way to that structure. Um, and, but I think that also relates to how we balance their individual stories against each other. Um, and it was, we were helped because they intersect dramatically, you know, and they play roles in, in, in this sort of interrelated roles in this drama. But um, I think, um, yeah. What about the politics itself? Um, what you end up capturing is, is um, some of the downside. I mean, I think we're all progressives here, but I mean, even beyond some of some of the beyond conservative liberals, some of the jingoism, some of the racism, um, some of some of the ways that those things can be used in a a Texas poli politics setting. Um, there's an element of, and it feels like when I left the theater, both the before Sundance, when we saw it beforehand, but also at Sundance, it felt like that seemed to be the thing that people wanted to talk about. Um, you know, and, and that I, I'm curious because you have a story beat that is so tied to that. And is so tied to two of your, two of your main characters. Well, actually more than your main characters because they're on both sides of it, you know? So it's like, and I, it, how you're going to show that, you know, and cause it feels there, like there is an element of wanting to capture a political system, watching how things unfold. Um, and while you might lean on a subjectivity of, of characters, emotions, how one handles something that I'm sure individually you felt disgusting and hurt by, you know, yet how one's going to show that on screen. I'm wondering the thought process of that. And also some of the, is this also one, I mean, a year long edit, there's lots of decisions, but I wonder if that's something you also had to play with and modulate um, with some of that. Yeah. That's, that's a lot to unpack. Um, and we can try, try to, try to do that. Um, where to start? Um, I mean, I, I think that, um, I mean, we, we were, I, I don't, I'm just thinking back to Stevens. We can assume people have seen the film and, and I think yes. we need to be able to talk openly about what happens. Um, you know, that we wanted, I think there was a desire for wish fulfillment. Many of us feel that the sort of the wrongs would be righted. Would they, could they be righted at Boy State? Would Stephen Garza emerge victorious? And it was crushing to see him lose in the film. I mean, it reduced us to tears and uh, him and us. And, um, and we had to kind of process that outcome. And also, but to sort of accept that, that, that the, the space that we were privy to is, um, is, it, is it in, in a way it's, re it's, 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 it's real. It's not, it's not the wish fulfillment that we hope for. It, it's ugly. It's shocking. We saw that, um, in, in this, you know, kind of intense masculinity, um, that's scary. Um, men talking about women's bodies, um, racism on display, but that's the political world we inhabit to, to sort of cut that out would be irresponsible. Like that's what we have to deal. That's what we're dealing with. Right. And I think that, um, you know, we see it in maybe an exaggerated form at, at Boy State, but actually not if we look at what's happening now in the presidential, it, it, you know, that that's its own grotesque exaggeration, isn't it? Um, I think that, um, I mean, I think the film did offer up a powerful truth, which is, you know, we see someone like Stephen, who who is of 
you know, progressive in a conservative space, who is um, a, a child of undocumented immigrants trying to forge connection with white conservative boys and actually being able to do it. And I think that hopefulness um, is, is kind of truer and more powerful for the fact that the film is honest about all of the obstacles in his path and our path to get there. Um, and the fact that he could do it left us ultimately feeling like, you know, there is some, you know, there, 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 there is outside of boy state with the right people, with the right intentions, with the right language, some kind of center that is possible in American life, you know, and you can argue whether that politics, a politics of kind of compromise is the right path, right? You can take the Bernie position and say, we need, you know, we're not going to get there unless we have radical, radical structural reform. And, you know, I think we can, that's a separate conversation, really. Um, it's not the Small path, is, it's not the path, <laughs> it's not a winning strategy at Boys State. It's not the path that Stephen took. He's a Bernie supporter. He took the pragmatic but principled path. And, um, and that was exciting to see how, how that played out. What has it been like traveling with these boys? I mean, obviously, I'm sure some of this to some degree has become Zoom and whatnot in the, in the pandemic world, but um, you refer to your, your subjects as collaborators and, and um, they're now reflecting on this experience, I'm sure, over and over again and also doing it probably in Q&As. And I imagine are also spending time together and, and, and talking off camera, um, and not in front of journalists. I'm curious what that experience has been like. Um, if, and, and I'm, I'm wondering also because there is some hope in your film, you know, and, uh, and there is some, there's a lot of humanity in these kids. And so I'm curious what even just a discussion of this film is like from these, with these subjects afterwards. Starting at Sundance, um, it was already, clear to me that this was going to be a whole nother chapter that I really feel um, has as much going on, frankly, as the film does. Um, getting Renee and Ben and Steven together um, for that weekend or at, at Sundance was, uh, Robert couldn't come because West Point wouldn't grant him leave. Um, but, but his parents were there and everybody's parents were there. And it was just, it was a real, it was a healing moment in the sense that they had to, you know, work some stuff out with each other. Um, and then also continue some kind of uh, conversations that I don't think there will ever be an end to, but the process, you know, I mean, we would have lunches that were two hours long where Renee and Ben, who are very evenly matched intellectually, but are so different and come, I mean, they're both, but they both have incredible knowledge of history and they also have a deep passion for our country. And so their conversation about race or about Israel or about, you know, whatever it is, is just, it's like lightning in a bottle every time it happens. And I just, I, I mean, I found myself picking out my iPhone being like, okay, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep filming this. Like, I can't stop, I can't get enough of you guys. What is this? Like, I'm, I continue to be interested. You would think after a year of editing with their faces, I would be enough with these guys, but actually I just can't get enough. And um, so they are all part of, um, 
Q&As, as you say, with the festivals that we played at online now in, in this, uh, this new world we live in. And now this most recent chapter has been touring the film through colleges, which is really interesting um, to have them talking to um, their contemporaries, really. And a lot of it is, um, you know, because of this upcoming election, there's, a, there's obviously um, a real interest in elections, um, but also in voting and in being an active participant in your democracy, which is something that all four of them um, are doing in different ways and are very um, committed to doing in different ways. So one is active military, I mean, not active, but is at West Point. One is, um, Stephen is pursuing, um, he's working for someone um, in Texas right now uh, to get her elected to Congress, Wendy Davis. Um, and Renee is uh, deep in activism and local local organi- organ- organizing. Um, What's so they're all like now? just, you know, this is, this is, you cannot sit back right now. What is Ben doing? What is it. Ben doing? <laughs> he is studying Russian and is really still planning on going into national security. Um, What's been really surprising is that um, it's been two years since Boy State, and and Ben, who who is the only of one of the four boys who at Boy State doesn't really transform. He sort of comes in the master strategist and leaves the master strategist, seemingly without a conscience. He has, I think, now that he can look around and see that the country is two years further along and it's toxic division, um, that his tactics at Boy State, he recognizes as um, contributing to where he finds the country. Um, And he's disavowed his dirty tricks. And so he's kind of found his conscience in a way. And it's been really interesting to watch him. And that's come out of this conversation, and I think engaging not just with um, audiences, but with the, the boys who we went through this with and having to kind of look at Renee in the eye now and sort of grapple with them, who, who he was. And so um, that's, that's um, you know, that was kind of a question for us going into this whole project was like, what's the capacity for growth, for ideological evolution for the young people? Like, could you come in fixed based on your parents, your community, you know, how open to change and uh, are you? And and so to see Ben in, in this transformation has been really interesting. That's great. Well, congratulations on this. Uh, it's, it's, it's a remarkable film, and it's, uh, it's also a wonderful time capsule that I imagine people will be watching decades from now, too. Um, but yeah, thank, thanks, Chris. I, I appreciate your interest in the film, and I didn't know about your personal connection. We've got to unpack that some other time. I'm curious. Oh, I had, I, my, uh, that was traumatic. That was traumatic. If you ever need, if you ever need people, if you ever need people to talk about traumatic Boy State experiences, I'm happy to happy to contribute to that. I have a feeling that would have been my experience at Boy State too. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go to Girl State next, so we'll see oh, what are. we find. No I kidding. mean, presuming no that kidding. they, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit TBD in the sense that will sure. they all have to be wearing masks next June? Still, like, I'm not sure I want to make that movie. You know, white shirts and masks. I did the whole thing. We'll see. Because you were able to lob everybody, right? Basically, you have your lobs on your subjects, and then you probably your camera people can get like a something that's got like the ambient on it, right? Yeah. 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 So actually, can I ask you one one? What do you do? I'm very fascinated just from a, a technical standpoint. What do you do? Renee emerges, clearly a fascinating character, not 
on your subject list. What is that? Is that just a, is that, is that just an obvious and quick pivot? Um, because, because I imagine there's also a production element here. You got to start talking to him, see what he's interested in and then right and move in that direction. Yeah. We, we were lucky to be rolling, uh, on, on those speeches because it was the state party. The, yeah, the, the, right. So we were already rolling on that event. And, and when Renee started speaking, I mean, I think it was instantly clear to me, I wasn't shooting, but to the two DPs on stage that this was meaningful and so there's great coverage of that and i went up to renee right after basically right after you see him take a swig out of his gallon water jug <laughs> i went up to renee and i said hi you don't know me but we're making this movie and that was an amazing speech and we would like to follow you and renee uh right away said yes so it was just like an instant pivot no question i think we all recognize we had been searching for renee and there he was <laughs> for months i mean we really yeah. wanted an african-american voice mm-hmm. Um, there was actually an African-American conservative candidate in the Federalist Party who we were looking at. But I was, that's kind of probably that was weird and interesting but in its own way. But Renee was like clearly the, a man among boys politically, sort of everything that we hoped for and just a, utterly him, unique in himself. You can't stop watching him. He's really he's also just he's just. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks again. All right, guys. Chris. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. Mm-hmm.